Welcome to the Scotts Hill Podcast. At Scotts Hill, our mission is to join God in His work of transforming lives. One of the ways we join God is by studying and proclaiming His Word. So each week, our podcast features our Sunday morning sermons where one of our pastors explains, illustrates, and applies the Bible to our lives. We hope that you are challenged and encouraged by the Word of the Lord. Good morning and welcome to almost the new year. We're wrapping out 2023, and it's amazing how quickly the year has gone by, isn't it? I mean, it just seemed like, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Just wait. You think it's going by quick now? Wait till you get older like us. Somebody told me it's like a roll of toilet paper getting to the end. It goes faster. Some of you, it is going really fast right now. But as we are wrapping out 2023 and we are moving into 2024, people are getting ready for this new year because there's a sense of excitement always about a new year, isn't there? There's kind of this sense that there's a fresh start. There's going to be this new approach, new opportunities. There are some um, exciting moments as we think about that. And when people go into a new year, they usually enter with one of three positions. Many people will go with great resolutions. They will make great resolutions in the upcoming year. How many of you have made some resolutions for the upcoming year already? Some of you, a lot of you have. Yeah, resolutions are great because what they do is they help us to recognize some areas of discipline that need to change in our lives for the next year. That's a good thing. But the typical resolutions that people make are always the same every year. There's, it's, I'm gonna lose weight. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to have better relationships. I'm going to get more management over my finances, and I'm going to be more disciplined. Those are the top five resolutions every single year. One man said new resolutions are just like this. They go in one year and out the other, and, and, and they do that on a regular basis. Resolutions are only as good as you able to carry them out. One man said, resolutions are like a crying baby in a theater. They're only good if you carry them out. And it's the same with our own lives. So many people are making resolutions for the upcoming year. Some people are going to enter with great reservation. They're going to enter with this new year because of some maybe experiences or hurt or pain from 2023. They're going to enter 2024, not with faith, but maybe with fear. Maybe, maybe there's some things that they're concerned about. You look around, you see the moral decay of our nation, and it gives people great concern. You see the wars that are happening around the world. You see terrorists and tsunamis and weather and all kinds of difficulties. And so people are going to enter this new year somewhat with some fear and trepidation. Reminds me of the story of the group of men who were sailing on this old rickety ship, broken down ship. They were going across the sea and they were very concerned. They went to the, the, the captain. They said, Captain, are we going to make it safely? He said, well, let me just tell you the situation. The engines are so bad, they could explode at any moment and set the ship on fire. The ship is so old, it's taking on water. We can leak and sink at any moment. We can either go up in explosion or down with water, but either way, we're moving on. And this next year you're going to have some ups and some downs, but we're going to press on. And many people are moving through this new year with some reservations. And here's a third one. We need to move through the new year as children of God with a great reminder. We can make our resolutions. We can have our reservations, but one of the greatest things we can do is be reminded of what God tells us as we enter 2024. 
We are not going in here without hope. We're not going into this new year without help. We're not going into this new year without a heavenly father who's going to walk beside us and carry us through no matter what happens because he is the one who has seen the end from the very beginning. And so whatever we're doing as we move into 2024, we can have a great reminder that God is with us. Matter of fact, the writer of Hebrews, in a very simple verse, chapter 13, verses five and six, helps us to understand the kind of discipline we need as we move through 2024. If you have your Bibles, if you have your devices, just turn to Hebrews chapter 13, verses five and six. We're gonna look at those two passages this morning as an encouragement for all of us. This passage has long been an encouragement to me as we enter into a new year, as we enter into circumstances that we don't even know what's before us. And it is so incredibly encouraging. The writer of Hebrews is an expert on the law. He's an expert on prophecy. He takes the whole picture that Jesus is the completion of all the Old Testament writings. He's the high priest. He's the perfect sacrifice. But at the end of this letter, he encourages Christians who are going through some really hard times. Persecution is coming in on them. The Roman government is cracking down on Christianity. Many of them are losing their possessions, their positions, and even their lives. And so in chapter 13, verses five and six, he encourages the believers as they're about to enter some unexpected territory of how to prepare their hearts. And through these two simple verses, God has given me four principles that I've applied to my life and I wanna share with you today. Here's the verse. He says in verses five and six, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And here I find four disciplines that I think will be helpful to you as we enter into 2024. And these are disciplines that we can apply and remind ourselves of every single day. Let me give them to you. Number one, here's the first one. Learn to practice the contentment of God's provision. Learn to practice the contentment of God's blessings in your life. Now, he says this. He says, keep yourself free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Now, contentment is a difficult thing, isn't it? We live in a world that is constantly telling us to be discontent. Every advertisement, every commercial is telling us what we don't have and what we need to have to be happy. That's what the world does. We have just gone through the most materialistic holiday in our calendar year, Christmas. And you witnessed from your own families the gifts that were given, the joy that they expressed, or maybe even the disappointment because they didn't get what they wanted. And in a month from now, all of those expensive gifts will have been moved on to something else we want or we need. Isn't that true? Many of them will be returned for something else. Many of them will find themselves in the dump. Some of them will be in the closet to be re-gifted to someone next year. Why? Because we're never really content. 
Contentment is this internal desire, this internal joy and peace that comes from a relationship with Christ that cannot be controlled by outside circumstances. Discontentment is what robs you of that joy and that peace. So great is discontentment and so dangerous is it that God puts it as one of the Ten Commandments. As a matter of fact, the Tenth Commandment, you shall not covet And Paul writes to Timothy, he says this, but those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. When you pursue the things of this world and never are content with the blessings that you have, not only do you lose joy and peace that come from Christ, but you ingest a poison that destroys you. That poison of debt can ruin you because you want something you can't afford. Or that poison of robbing God of tithes and offerings because you don't have money left to give to him because of your own spending on yourself. Or how about this? The poison of investing in a world that will not last instead of investing in eternal things. But contentment is understanding that I can be at peace with the things that God has given me. The writer of Ecclesiastes says, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves abundance with his income. It will never bring ultimate joy. Let me tell you what contentment is. Contentment is not getting what you want. Contentment is wanting what you already have. Isn't that true? The Apostle Paul writes in Philippians chapter four, he says that he learned to be content in all circumstances. Let me tell you two things about contentment we need to remember. Contentment must be learned. It's a discipline. You teach yourself contentment. Here's the second thing. Contentment begins where I am, not where I wanna be. If you're not content with the things you have now, you will never be content, my friend. But contentment means this. I understand that everything I have is a blessing from God and I can give thanks for that. Now, let me say something. Contentment doesn't mean you never buy new things. Cars break down. Devices break down. Appliances break down. Houses maybe become too small for the families that are living in them. There's nothing wrong with buying new things. But the thing is this, I'm not driven by the joy of new things. I'm driven by the joy of the Lord. And here's what Jesus even says. He says, do not be anxious then saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or with what shall we clothe ourselves? For all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek. For your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Here's what Jesus is saying. Listen, the round world that wants to make you discontent cannot fit into your triangle-shaped heart. The triangle-shaped heart is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the things of this round world will never fit in there. Run after the things of the kingdom. Practice contentment. Wake up in the morning and just say, Lord, thank you for what you've given me. Thank you for what I have. Thank you for your blessings in my life. Thank you for these children, although I'd love to trade them out for others. Thank you for my spouse. Thank you for your wonderful kindness to me. Practice contentment. My family quit giving me gift cards to Bass Pro Shop. Here's why. 
because they thought they give me a, a gift card to Bass Pro Shop, I will walk in and come out and it's an easy sale. You know what I do? I go in there with that gift card and I look at all the things I don't need. And I walk out and I usually give the card to somebody else. Because contentment says, I'm satisfied with what I have because it's the blessings of Almighty God. So this year, practice the contentment of God's provision in your life. Here's the second truth. Learn to practice the companionship of God's presence. Now, here's the thing we need to learn to do is we need to learn to live our lives in 2024 with the absolute certainty that God is with me. I live in the presence of God. He says, he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, what's interesting about that, that, that phrase there, I will never leave you nor forsake you, the Holy Spirit led the writer to use five negatives in that verse to prove that God doesn't want to leave us or forsake us. In the rendering in the Greek, it literally says, I will never, no, not ever, no, never leave you nor forsake you. And God is like, what part of that don't you understand? I will never leave you. I will never turn my back on you. Five times in the Old Testament we see this. In Genesis chapter 28, verse 15. We find in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses 6 and verse 8. We find it in Joshua 1, 5. We find it in 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 20. Five times in the New Testament. And Jesus even says this on the Sermon on the Mount. He says, I will be with you, how long? Always. He will never leave us or forsake us. Here's the wonderful truth. As we go into a new year, you're not going alone. You are never alone. God is always there. And let me tell you, you may feel alone sometimes because of your sin and because of your rebellion. I do. But here's the wonderful truth. Even in the midst of that, my father never leaves me. I'm reminded of the story. This just came to mind as I'm preaching of this. These are always dangerous when they come to mind when I'm preaching. So uh, this old man is just driving his old pickup truck. It's one of these old Ford single seats. It's got a long bench on it. He's driving. His wife of many years is sitting on the other edge by the, the, the door, the window. He's driving along and she looks at him. She said, honey, do you remember when we used to always sit together? He said, I do. She said, well, what changed? He said, I never moved. And no matter what you're going through, here's what God says. He never moves. God doesn't roll his eyes at you and your failure. He doesn't just shake his head. Can we grieve his heart? Yeah. But he never leaves us. This year, some of you are going to face some challenges. There will be people who will abandon you. Some of you have already been abandoned by spouses. There will be people who will let you down. There will be people who will turn their backs on you. And here's why God will never turn his back on you. When Jesus was on the cross and he bore your sin, God turned his back on Jesus so that you in his righteousness will never receive a back turn from your father because you are his. So what do we do in this new year? Let's practice the contentment of his provisions, and let's practice the companionship of his presence. Every single day, he is with you. Here's a third truth. 
Learn to practice the confidence of his promise. Learn to practice the confidence of his promise. In that passage, the writer says, he himself has said. Who's he talking about? God. He himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God is the one who made the statement and the promise. Now, let me tell you, a promise is only as good as the character of the person who makes it. If somebody who is unreliable, who is untruthful, who is undependable, gives you a promise, you know you take that with a grain of salt. That will probably never happen. Some people make promises that they cannot fulfill. They promise you the moon, and they do not have the ability to be able to do that. Some of you make promises sometimes that circumstances keep you from fulfilling. For example, we make promises to our kids. We're going to the beach on Saturday. It rains. We can't go to the beach on Saturday. Promise broken. I told that to my kids one day. Leslie told me, Dad, you're the preacher. You can pray for sunshine. You're a failure. No. (laughs) But we break promises. But let me tell you, God never breaks a promise. Number one, he never breaks a promise because he is always truthful. Secondly, he never breaks a promise because he is absolutely able in any circumstance to fulfill it. And he never breaks a problem promise because he doesn't care about your well-being. God keeps his word. And when we go through difficult times, we can depend on the word of God. Let me give you some promises through the word of God that might help you for this upcoming year. When you feel lonely, he says, I will never desert you nor forsake you. When you feel unworthy, he says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. When you feel inadequate, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. When you feel like a failure, for I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. When you feel like you've blown it, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And when you need wisdom, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and unsearchable things you do not know. These are just some. They're 1,500 promises in God's word. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, he says, in Jesus, every promise is yes and amen. Now, let me just say this. Sometimes we don't know the promises of God because we don't spend time in the word of God. And here's what I want to challenge you with this year. I want to challenge every covenant member. I want to challenge regular attenders. I want to challenge those who are walking online that you would consider doing this in the next year, that you would join together as a faith family and we would read through the Bible in a year together. Let me give you a real simple way of doing that. If you have your phones, you can go to the YouVersion app. How many of you have the YouVersion app already? I would encourage you, just go to your apps, type in YouVersion app, and you will come up with this, this, this icon of a Bible. When you get the app loaded, go down to the bottom to plans. And when you get to plans, you will see the one-year Bible plan. And I want to encourage you to put that on your phone. And starting tomorrow, that we would read together as a faith family through the Word of God together that we would encourage one another. And it's real simple. It gives you an Old Testament, New Testament, a proverb, and a psalm to read. 
And it follows, it's already broken down for the whole year. If you get off, you catch up very easily. And the other wonderful thing is you can invite people to the reading plan with you to hold you accountable. Entire connect groups can do it. Small groups can do it. Families can do it. And as we do it together in a year, it's going to be amazing as you read through the Bible to see the promises of God jump out. So we can practice the contentment of his provisions. We can practice the companionship of his presence. We can practice the the confidence that we have in his promises. But here's the fourth thing, that we can practice the comfort of God's protection. No matter what we go through, the comfort of his protection. The writer says, we are confident of this, that he will help us. What can man do to us? We can walk in the midst of his protection in the midst of uncertainties. And no matter what you face, no matter what difficulties, you can rest assured that God is with you. I I love how the Native Americans used to train their young boys to be braves. And if they failed this test, they could never be a brave in that tribe. Here's what they would do. They would take the young boy, the dad would take his young son into the forest and he'd leave him in a particular place armed only with a little spear. And he would have to stay there all night in pitch darkness while the animals of the forest would come about. And if he cried out for help or he whined or he demonstrated any kind of fear, he was always, for the rest of his life, disqualified as a brave. And so the dad would leave him, and there that young brave would sit. And when morning would come, he would be absolutely still, and he'd look right in front of him, 10 feet away, is a familiar figure, his father, all night long, armed with a bow and arrow, ready to protect his little boy. And in the midst of whatever you're going through, Your heavenly father has his eye on you. There's nothing he doesn't know. There's nothing he doesn't see. His protection is over you. Now, does that mean you won't ever suffer? No, it doesn't mean that. Does it mean you won't ever go through pain? No, it doesn't mean that. Does it mean you won't ever experience loss? No, it doesn't mean that. It means in the midst of whatever difficulty you are facing, he is with you. I love what the Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter eight, which we'll jump back into next week, by the way. He says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who's against us? Then verse 33, he says, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Then in verse 34, who is the one who condemns? No one. And in verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? No one, no one. John Knox was an incredible reformer and man of God. Mary, queen of Scots, said that she does not fear the armies of men. She only fears the prayers of John Knox. And here's what John Knox once said. He said, a man with God is always in the majority. Isn't that good? Particularly in the culture that we live in today, a man with God, a woman with God, a boy with God, a girl with God is always in the majority. So as you go into 2024, let's go in with these disciplines. Contentment of his provisions. Would you even today just begin by saying, Lord, thank you for what I have. Thank you for the blessings that you've given me today. The companionship of his presence, that there's nowhere I go where he is not with me ever. The confidence of his promise, that if he says it, I can lean in it to be true. 
and the comfort of his protection. He is always with me. We can go in with great resolutions. We can go in with great reservation. But let's go in with a great reminder. And I can't think of a better way for us to go into 2024 remembering what Jesus, our Savior, has done for us. That on the night that he was betrayed, he shared the Passover meal with his disciples in a little upper room. Little did they know that he was actually fulfilling the Passover by his own death. Little did they know that in a few hours he would be arrested, put on trial, beaten, tortured, hung on a Roman cross, and would die. And little did they know that on Easter Sunday morning, he would rise from the dead, validating every single claim he ever made, validating the fact that his death was the perfect sacrifice for humanity, and it satisfied the wrath of a holy God because of our sins. And because of what he did, we can have eternal life. And when we share in the Lord's Supper together, what we are doing is we are proclaiming that Jesus is our Lord. We are proclaiming that he has paid the price for our sin. We are proclaiming that he is alive and we are proclaiming that he is coming again. Every single time we take the Lord's Supper. Now, when you came in this morning, you were given this little pack. Since COVID, we don't pass out baskets anymore. You get this little pack, and on the top part is a wafer, and on the bottom part, there is juice. It's really tricky. You got to be careful how you pull it, peel it out. Um, but let me give us a little instruction. This Lord's Supper is a family time. That means this. If you have trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you're walking in obedience with him, and your desire is to please him with your life, then you're part of the family of God and you can partake of this. If you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Christ, you're not a believer, maybe you're trying to figure all of this out, this is not for you. This is not for you. This is not anything condemning or judgmental. It's just simply not for you because you've never trusted Christ. So to participate in this is not meaningful to you. And parents, if you have small kids, and they have never trusted Christ, please don't let them partake of this because this is to be reserved for those who are part of the family of God. One day, they will enjoy it. I remember my little girl, Leslie, would always sit in that second row and she'd watch us do this. And she'd always say, Daddy, why can't I take of the Lord's Supper? I said, Honey, this is for those who follow Jesus, who have trusted Jesus with their life. I remember when she gave her life to Christ, she said, Finally, I can take the Lord's Supper. And she did, and she put that wafer in her mouth, and she spit it out. She said, I was nasty. I waited all that time for that. <laughs> but this is a celebration for family. Okay, so nobody's going to judge you. Just simply let it pass. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take this together as a family of God. If you're not a member of this church, but you've trusted Christ, you are free to celebrate with us in this. The Apostle Paul writes this. Go ahead and open that top. Take that little wafer out and hold it. The Apostle Paul says this in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three 23 and 24. He says, for I received from the Lord 
what I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You can open the juice. Be very careful. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty five, Paul says, in the same way, he also took the cup. After supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. He closes by saying, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Will you join me as we pray? Father, we thank you for 2023. The ups and the downs, the challenges, the joys, the disappointments, the things that we've learned about you and we've learned about ourselves. We thank you for that. And Father, as we move into 2024, we have no idea what's gonna take place. We have no idea what the world is gonna be like, but you do. And Father, it doesn't really matter because we have you. And you live in us by your Holy Spirit. And we can walk with you obediently, be regardless of what our culture says and does. Father, I pray for this body this year, that this would be a watershed year for us spiritually. Father, that we would grow deep into your word. We would grow deep in the intimacy with you. Father, we would grow deep in our influence with others around us, that they would come to know the Lord Jesus, as we know him. Father, as we enter into this year, may you discipline us in such ways that, Father, we would bring such joy and glory to your name. And, Father, we give you thanks. We thank you, Father, that because of Christ's work on the cross, that we already have victory that we do not fight for victory, but we fight from victory. And we are victorious, and the battle has already been won. And you're calling us now to be witnesses, to testify of the great victory that we have because of the power of the gospel to transform lives. May we live that effectively this year in 2024 that you would receive all glory and honor and praise. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand together? Thank you for listening. Hebrews 13, 20 through 21 says, Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good, that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is our hope for you today. If you would like to connect with us, visit our website at scottsill.org slash next steps. Till next time.